Okay, oh, good, good, good. I'm just trying to bring you reassurance, or I'm going to speak for, or when I might stop, maybe's I. Maybe he's not. Let's get into the Word of God. We're in Psalm 138, um, and I just believe that more than ever that this Word is going to be a Word that is going to help us to live all that God has ministered into our hearts and into our lives up to this point this morning. He has been speaking into hearts and speaking into lives. We need to, to listen in the moment, and then we need to build the momentum of doing and of living and of walking according to the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks in Galatians chapter 5 about, about living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and the analogy is, is going to the drumbeat of the Holy Spirit. And in these days, more than ever, church, we need to be hearing the drumbeat of the Holy Spirit for our life. But back into the Old Testament, back into the Psalm of David, Psalm 138, that is over our, our, our lives as church together as Edinburgh Elam. Psalm 138 says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks down upon the lowly. From the proud, he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. As I picture King, King David and this Psalm of David being written and the scribes writing it down, that David would almost be looking over the, out from the window of his, of his palaces, looking out from the, the window to the, to the borders and to the boundaries of the land of the nation of Israel. I can see him looking at those edges of his territory, of those kings that might be watching on. Kings of Syria, Assyria, Moab, the Edomites, the Philistines, the Phoenicians, those nations that would be gathered all around the edges and the borders of Israel, but having a prayer that God would protect them that God would keep their boundaries, but actually more than that, the influence of the things of God might infiltrate these people of power, these influencers that are on the borders of his life, those people who, who, who might want to actually come and to shrink his kingdom, who might want to come and to rob him of his authority as a king, who might want to take away as his status as a, as, as a, a son of the king, and who might actually want to take him into slavery, if not execute him. Church, I want to ask you this morning, who lives along the borders of your life? You maybe don't have kings, but you have people, you have thoughts, you have influences all around about you. 
I read, I heard on the radio actually, and it was in, in press as well recently, down in the Midlands there is an epidemic amongst farmers of sheep being stolen. Actually not just being stolen, being killed and butchered over the night times. There, there are some, some thieves and some robbers that are coming across boundaries into land that's not actually theirs and that are stealing possessions that aren't actually theirs that's lessening the, the, the livestock, the livelihood, the, the inheritance of these farmers. Who's on the boundaries? Who's along the borders of your life? Who is influencing you? What is influencing you? You know, we, my day, it was your mates and it was the adverts on the telly was all that could influence you. Now, because we have our mobile devices, because we've got the internet, because we've got so many influences, you know, YouTubers, people influencers who have got nothing better to do with their time than make up videos about themselves, but are now called influencers. But I tell you, there are folks who have got millions and millions of followers and sponsors so they don't need to do a stroke of work because their work is doing nothing and talking about it. Lord, why did you call me to? <laughs> it's somebody say, oh, he does nothing all week and comes and talks about it on a Sunday. <laughs> Who's in the borders of your life? Who is influencing you? I'd never heard of the ridings until I came beyond that international boundary that is Heart Hill. And I know there's, there's some who, who come from the borders who are amongst us today. I'm not going to tell you how we can point them out. You know, it's, it's a story for another day. <laughs> but for those that are, that are from, you know, the, the ridings, where the men of the town would be, would be sent out to go and ride around the borders of the town to make sure, or the, the area, to make sure it was safe, to make sure it was secure, to make sure none of their sheep or their children had been stolen out in the horses, out with the flags. And they celebrate that still today. I think they even do it in Edinburgh. And Musselburgh, down there, the, the, the ridings, they happen. It's wanting to protect the edges. It's wanting to take stock of the boundaries of their life. And, and King David says there, he says, may all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord. May they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory is the of the Lord is great. I want to ask you again. What song, what sounds are those who are on the borders of your life hearing? They are foreign kings, foreign deities, foreign influencers, foreign powers. You know, those who would not sing a God song. Can anybody think what is going to help them hear a God song along the borders and the boundaries of your life? Whose responsibility is it going to be to give those kings, those influencers, those, those people, those things a when moment? See, it says in verse 4 there, when they hear the words of your mouth. Who's going to enable them to hear the word of the Lord? We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... So what do we need to be communicating? 
How do we get to know the word of the Lord? We read it, we live it, we breathe it. We apply it. Who and what are the opinions that count? What are the situations that really, really matter? Could you, on a piece of paper or on your, on your, your fingers, begin to name the influences and the influencers that, that are in and around about your life that want to surround you, that want to shape you, that want to support you? Because not all influences are bad. We want to rejoice in good influences. But there are some influences that want to suppress you and that want to squash you in the things of God. It can be people It can be products, it can be perceptions, it can be habits, it can be behaviors, it can be one thought that leads to another thought that leads to another thought. It can be neglect and neglecting areas of our lives that allow um, those negative influences, those non-God influences to begin to encroach upon the territory that is sacred and that is God's. Unless we're out protecting the boundaries and the borders of our life. Of all these kings that were surrounding David, he rejoices that there was a God solution to his surrounded situation. And I want to say that there is a God solution to your surrounded situation. If you know that there are some influences around about you or some influencers around about you that want to drag you and take you away from the things of God, I want to say and speak over your life, there is a God solution to your surrounded situation. I think Father God's already ministered into that this morning. I think Father God's already encouraged us in that. But he has presented a clear choice to each and every one of us. Is it pardon or is it prison? Is it another day in the mud or is it his hand coming down to rescue us? Are we going to apply Psalm 46 into into our life and into our situations? Or are we going to say, nah, I'm just going to do my own thing? I'm going to go with the same old, same old, same old. And all of a sudden, those that are on the borders, outside the borders, put their toes on the border of your life. And then they shuffle just a little bit forward. And then they take a little dainty step forward. Every time, little by little, moment by moment, encroaching, annexing your life, your influence, your behavior, your thinking, your lifestyle. And then they're taking one giant leap, which probably is only a small leap compared to normal-sized people I know, but you know what I mean. All of a sudden, it's like the ministry of funny walks, but those on the borders and the influences of your life are taking big steps into your life. Why? Because you've not protected the borders and the boundaries. Because you've not done any kind of riding around about the inheritance and the thing that God has given you. Because you're not protecting. Because you're not hiding yourself close to the Lord. I want to tell you there is that God solution to your surrounded situation. In King David's backstory in the the psalm, he has spoken about that wholehearted praise in verses 1 through to to, to verse 3. He's spoken about recognizing the supremacy of God's name and of God's character and his nature. The, the, The supremacy of God's word as being higher and greater than anything else. He's spoken about the need for having bravery in the reality of his situation. When I called you answered, you made me bold and stout hearted. 
When the problem that faces me is bigger than me, I run to one who is greater, stronger, and bigger. Oh, and by the way, he's my heavenly father. It's King David moving from that mountaintop to the valley of reality. That Sunday morning versus that Monday morning situation. This rubber hitting the road moment. And in it, King David, well, he chooses to look for a win-win situation. I mean, I would have probably settled for a draw this morning. I'm alluding to something else, but, uh, you know, I'm looking for the win-win. King David prays a positive prayer against a posturing problem. He prays a positive prayer when those who are surrounded in the borders of his life, and now they may or may not have been very active at that moment, but rather than praying, God, get them, he prays, God, get them. The best kind of prayer that you could pray. He prays a generous prayer for those around about who maybe did not have his best interests at heart. He prays that they might have a vision rather than his vengeance. He wants to make those that are his enemy God's friends. He's not necessarily saying, God, would you just annihilate them? Would you obliterate them? He says, Lord, I want them to hear of your glory. Lord, I want them to receive your glory. Lord, I want them to live in your glory. I wonder who's on the borders, the influences of your life that you might begin to change how you pray. That you flip it back. That they are not the one influencing your behavior, your habits, your thoughts, and your words, and your deeds. But you begin to flip it back and say, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm a child of the King. The Son of God has saved me. Gave his life, risen again. He has saved me. He filled me with his plan and purpose. I am not an old creation. I am a new creation. I tell you what, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've got some influencing to do. I've got some borders to, to maintain and actually to push back. I'm not going to be influenced by the world and by the people of the world and those that are on the borders of my life. I'm going to influence, and influence them for the kingdom of God. I'm going to switch my mind. I'm going to switch my mindset. Pray generous prayers. Even for those who might want to destroy you. Who might want to rob you. Who might want to do you down and might want to get you into, you know, bound up in all kind of things. But in order to do that, you can't keep your Christian ways and your worship of God a secret. You need to let them know. You need to live it strong and you need to live it out there. You need to give them a when they hear moment. Oh, Lord, that you would do it and break into their lives, but you need to do it too of the living testimony and proof of the goodness and the greatness of our God. We have this dual direction or directive of discipleship that we are to grow, but we are to cause others to grow. And it cannot be private because we live in a public world where the world would want to shove their thoughts and their views down your throat would want to saturate your mind and soak your brain in their stuff. Church, we need to be standing for the things of God. Not in an arrogant, not in a bullshit, not in a, a, in a in-your-face type way, but we need to stand 
We need to choose to move in the opposite spirit to the world. We need to choose to bless, not to curse. We need to choose to lift up rather than put down. We need to choose to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to have a willingness and a yes in our hearts. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision of the temple of God. There's chaos in the nation that he's living in at that moment and that time. The king has died. There's uncertainty of what's happening. And he finds himself a vision of God in this temple. He says he sees God and, and it's like the train of his robe fills the temple. And there, there's, there's this shaking and there's this awareness of his sin in the presence of God, which, you know, I think we've had some of that this morning, haven't we, church? Aware of who we're not, but also aware of who we can be. It says there, there's, there's an angelic vision and there's a coal, live coal from off the altar that touches his lips and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's cleansed, he's purified, able to stand before for, for the Lord. And Isaiah 6 and verse 8 then Isaiah hears a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And I think this morning, looking at the boundaries and the borders of our life, boundaries and borders of those that are around about us, of some of the kings that need to hear, need to have some when moments, I think there's a voice from heaven coming. I think there's a voice from heaven who's, who's crying out, who's calling out and saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Too often we're good at saying, here I am, send him, send her, send them. But this morning I believe there's a real challenge from heaven coming. I feel it real strong in my heart and strong in my spirit this morning. There's a challenge from heaven for, for us to leave some stuff behind, church. To look full in the face of Jesus, to have that fresh vision, that fresh revelation in our life. And to when we hear those words saying, whom will I send? Who will go for us? Who will I send? Say, here I am, send me. Willing surrender to the things of God. You see, we need to realize the things are important to the Father. You're important to the Father. In, first century, in ancient Israel, sorry, in the time of King David, in the whole thing of covenant, the land was so important to, to the nation of Israel, still is today part of the, the situations and the problems that exist in that era is because the nation of Israel have the reality of saying, this is our promised land. This is the land that God has, has given us and we need to be able to maintain it. It was not just their territory, it was their inheritance from God. It was a sign of them being rescued of exodus from slavery in Egypt. It was a symbol of God's rescue. It was a sign of God's provision. It was the reality of God's unbreakable covenant promise with his people and the nation of Israel needed to hold on to it. Needed to hold on to the land. And each man, if you read back in the Old Testament, each man, each household, each family was allotted his own strip of land. Because it wasn't just for the big nation, it was for the individual in the, in the nation. And we need to realize there's an, there's an inheritance from heaven that is corporate, but there's an inheritance from heaven that is individual, it's for you. And will we protect Will we maintain? Will we even look to expand as God leads and directs us? 
We don't just live in the old covenant, we live also with a new covenant, fulfilled in Jesus. The new covenant, the cross, one through the cross, our commitment to Jesus. We need to treasure what we have in the Lord and church not take it for granted. If we would begin to count our blessings and count of his goodness that keeps running after us as we've been singing about our, our room, this room would, would, would ring with voices and of declarations. This is how God has been good to me. This is a promise of God. This is what he's done in my life. It's about treasuring that, not just on a Sunday morning, but when there's some kings, when there's some influences and when there's some influencers that's around about the borders of our life that wants to just begin to infringe and encroach. Saying because of who God is, because of what he's done in Jesus, because of what he's doing through his Holy Spirit in my life right now, I choose him, not the ways of the world. I want to tell you, it's why thankfulness and gratitude is so, so important. Because our thankfulness and our gratitude, it grounds us in what the Lord has done where he's taken us from and where he's taken us to. And at the same time, it reminds us that we need him in our lives. It stops us believing our own publicity that we are good and we can do it on our own. Because we can't and we won't. But we don't need to because he gives us the Holy Spirit. And today, we might be surrounded by kings, in inverted commas, who have the appearance of having it all but we can worship the king who gave it all so that we may share in the inheritance and the riches of God. Kings generally, they had it all. They had status, they had wealth, they had palaces, they had power. They clicked their fingers and people came running. David pinpoints that for all that they were living with and those who were the kings and the borders of their life, they had not experienced the word and the ways of the living God. And his prayer was that when may all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth, may they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Do you know your greatest privilege is to contain and display the glory of God? You may nudge a person next to you and say that God's got some glory for your life. The presence of God, the manifest presence of God, of the reality of the kingdom of God here on earth, his glory in your life. Now, Paul talks about treasures and jars of clay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that he says is much more glorious. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Any freedom in here? People who are free to worship and celebrate, free from sin and the effects of sin because they're living for Jesus and living pure. But we've got this treasure, this glory of God that's, that's, that's in jars of clay. The frailty of our lives, that the excellency of his power might be seen thereof. We've got kings who look as though they've got it all, but if they haven't got Jesus, then actually what they've got is nothing. It's temporal. Bible says we're not to store up for ourselves treasure that's here on earth where, where rust can destroy and moth can eat it all up. Instead, we're to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Where are you storing? Where are you investing? How are you influencing? How are you being influenced? In the New Testament, in a challenge that Jesus gave to those who were within his earshot, and we read about it in Mark um, chapter 8, 
Um, he, he came and he, and he laid it out in the line. He told them this is how it is and this is how it needs to be in Mark chapter 8 and verses 34 through to 36. And Jesus is beginning to, to teach and to say, the son of man, that was him, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected. In verse 34, he said, and he called the crowds to him and along with his disciples, and he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit a soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for a soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory and with the angels, with the holy angels. Don't you want your father proud of you? I tell you, he is. He's proud of all the prodigals that have returned. Because in Luke 15, when the prodigal returns as, as muddy, as dirty, as much as his life is in rags, that he's wearing the rags of his life, he says, there is time to be cleaned. There is a ring, there is a robe, and there is sandals to be put on. There is a new beginning that's in Jesus. There is a fresh opportunity to, to, to declare, to demonstrate, to display his glory in and through your life. And part of your testimony may be, this is who I once was, but this is who I am in Jesus. Part of your testimony, this is the things I used to be involved in, I used to get up with, but look to what I'm involved in now in Jesus. Look at how he's changed me. Look at how he's taken me. Look at how he's radically, radically altered and changed and transformed my life. But will we let him? Will we allow him? Will we let those that are being influenced or being influences around about our lives be influenced by the fact that we've denied ourselves, we've taken up our cross and we're following them? Will we very publicly be almost, I can see us now in the, in the boundaries and the borders and the things that's on the edges and the peripheries of our life that, we would, that we'd want to go and we'd almost be taking that, that, that crosswalk, if you like, taking up that figurative cross and going around the borders and the influences around about our life and saying, I'm for Jesus. I've denied self. I've denied some of the things that I've allowed you to take, you know, uh, take place in my life. And I'm saying, I'm not doing that anymore. You're not welcome anymore by the power of the blood of Jesus. You've got no right to influence me anymore. I'm going around the borders of my life and I'm carrying the cross. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following Jesus. I'm going around the borders of my thinking. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following Jesus. I'm going around my relationships, those things that are going to hurt me and destroy me. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up the cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to look at my social media. Ouch. Three clicks away from nonsense and rubbish and sin. I'm going to take a look at my social media. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow him. And around the border of my life. The border of my finances. And those things that have taken authority and are just draining away my, my finances rather than be the investment that God has given them into my life. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to go that way now because otherwise the cameras are going to be straining around. 
what else? What else? In my workplace. Oh, in my workplace. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> when you can get sucked into gossip, laddish talk, unholy and unhelpful things. I'm going to visit that border. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. In my downtime, my guard's not going to be down. Because in the past, when my guard's been down, the enemy has come in and has encroached the borders. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. Everything that I do, all that I am, everything that's going to be around about me is going to be because I've denied myself. I'm going to take up my cross. And I'm going to follow Jesus. And I tell you, his word says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But he also says don't kick against the goads. The goads were the little wooden or metal prongs that were either side of the yoke that would have been on top of the cattle to make sure they were going in the right direction. Actually to make sure they were plowing straight in front of them. And what would happen is if the, if the cattle decided, oh, I want to go over that way, but the, you know, the, the farmer was saying, I want to go straight ahead, they'd turn themselves like that and they'd get a little reminder, a little prod in the neck that would, you know, that would hopefully initially stop, oh, I don't like that, I'm going to go this way. Back on track where I should be. And the most difficult thing would be for them when they actually know I really want to go over there because that was going to be really, really sore. The more that they turned that way, the more that they were going to self-inflict some harm and some wounds. Jesus says, don't kick against the goads. You know his way. You know how you should be living. You know how you should be thinking. How you should be behaving. How you should be living and living for him. Don't kick against the goads. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Because the glory of the Lord is great. There might be some bright lights that other side of the border. There might be some bright lights on the edges, but all it is, is a bright light that will fade. The glory of the Lord is great. And the place where God wants to manifest his glory is in your heart and in your life. Don't take it gently, don't take it lightly, but take it, run with it. Be excited about heaven's plans and purposes for your life. And don't let anybody touch the glory of God in your life. Don't let anybody or anything rob you of the glory of God in your life. Kings who thought they had it all versus the king who gave it all. As Jesus was naked, nailed, bleeding and dying in a cross with a crown of thorns upon his head, shedding his blood so that our sin could be forgiven. There was a sign that was put above his head that says, King of the Jews. But he's more than that. There was a declaration that the early church in the first century, and we read about it in the book of Acts and some of the letters would, be, would declare of who Jesus is. It would say, Jesus is Lord. That he was king. 
In the book of Revelation, as Jesus rides out in front of the armies of heaven, he is this title that is, that is on his thigh, and it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I tell you, there is no king that is greater, no king that is higher, no king that is more loving than the king who gave his all so that you could experience his glory. I want to say, church, let there be a new song and let there be a new, new sound in your ears, a new song in your mouth. It's here that we decide that his words and his ways will turn into our worship so that others will hear, so that others will see through life and through our lips and through our lifestyle. The writer to the psalm here is a picture of God's possibilities. Would you dare to believe that some of the kings that are on the borders of your life might hear, might see of the ways and the wonders of God, that might declare God's praises? Who's that biggest challenge to you and that biggest challenge to God? That it would bow its knee, that they would bow its knee and declare the goodness of God. As they receive that revelation of God, the invitation is to be, for us to be influenced by the influencer, by the Father. And the challenge then is that we will influence the influencers that are around about us. I wonder, could we declare together verses 4 and verse 5 of Psalm 138? You may want to turn it up, turn it up or boot it up in your mobile device. I'm going to read it from the NIV. Whether we get the versions right in sync, whether we're word by word right there, I want to tell you the declaration of our, of our hearts will be powerful this morning, church. As we speak into the atmosphere, as we speak to those influences that are around about us, those kings that are around about us, and we want to declare and we want to pray after three, one, two, three, may all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, please. You've listened so very, very well. Worship team, would you come back, please?